Let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, our Father, how thankful and grateful we are. Come into your presence one more time. We are thankful, we are grateful that you have left us in the land of the living. Our hearts are overwhelmed that we could come together as a corporate entity, as a corporate body, as a congregation to lift up anthems of praise and worship, pray, seek your face together to experience a move of your Holy Spirit. You've met us in worship and we're thankful. Now we ask that your presence will continue to hover over and move through this place and you will meet us in the word, your word, that lamp unto our feet, that light that lights our pathway. In Jesus' name. What we have experienced has not been an interruption of our regularly scheduled programming. What we have experienced is God having his own God-like way because we are on his program. We are existing in his time. And we always ask, Lord, have thine own way. And today I can answer in the affirmative. I believe he has answered with a resounding yes. I am going to have my own way. I, I'm not making this up. I leaned over to my wife. I, I opened my iPad and I showed her that uh, I believe the Lord instructed me to begin with an invitation to discipleship. And so the Lord has kind of reverse engineered this service that we are beginning with the end in terms of our flow and our order of service. We've already had one altar call. There's there's no need to hinder or stifle the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be sharing about that in just a moment. We can have another. If you're here today and you are not saved, what do you mean by that expression, saved? Anything that's saved is something that you've kept. You've identified that it is special, it has value, it has meaning, and so you do what? You save it. If you are here today, and you want to be saved. You want to be kept by God. The altars are always open. If you are tired and sick and tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired today, I don't know who you are. But if you're here and you want to come even right now and just say, you know what? We don't even have to go any further. I want to surrender my life back to the Lord. You can be saved even right now is there someone here even right now 
while we sense the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit moving in this place. You want to give your life back to the Lord. You can do so even right now. We have laughed. We have cried. Well, let, let me say this. Myself and my sister over here, Sister Beth, we have laughed. We have cried this morning. I uh, thought about it as we were singing <clears throat> one of the songs in our worship service that uh, we've sang a song that I hope and pray they're singing in that state up north. Let the fire fall on them. <laughs> Let the fire of Pentecost <laughs> consume all that sin and dross. <laughs> For my Michigan fans, let the holy fire from heaven <laughs> fall on them. And then we, we've sang, we've lifted up an anthem reminding us about the goodness of God's unyielding love. His unending love, his unyielding love, his unending grace. Thank God for his grace, amazing grace. Thank God for these testimonies this morning. You know, the scriptures teach us that we overcome, we find the strength and the sustenance that we need to endure life and daily living when we share our testimony. Doesn't matter how much doctrine you know, doesn't, know, doesn't matter how many times you attended service last year, doesn't matter what you're wearing. The only way the believer, one of the ways, one of the primary ways you and I are able to grapple and wrestle and deal with and cope with life and all that comes with it on a daily basis is if someone stands up and gives their testimony and gives their testimony and shares what the Lord has done for them. And the only way we are able as the body of Christ, as men and women who have decided to give our lives back to the Lord, even for those who have not given their lives back to the Lord, the only way some of us recognize, we realize, we're cognizant of the fact that if we're going to make it, it's going to be because that brother stood up and shed tears thinking about all that God had done, even in the middle of a gym. Now, some of you will experience the same thing at your gym. Not because someone is standing up preaching, but because you came to the gym. You'll get it on the way home. But thank God for these testimonies. Church, I want to encourage us. We, we cannot become so programmed that we program the power of the Holy Spirit right out of our morning worship. I, I want to encourage us as a church, let, let's remain totally unscripted. This, this is reality worship. You've heard of reality TV where it's supposed to be unscripted and unfiltered. This is reality worship. This is what happened when the believers gathered in Jesus' time. They would just begin to sing. And even after he ascended and 
left his spirit. Uh, Paul and the apostles, they, they would do just what we were doing. They weren't in a hurry to go watch men bash their heads up against each other on a football field. They, they weren't in a hurry to go shopping to spend money that they really don't have to spend. They just, they just, they just languished like we are doing this morning in the presence of the Holy Spirit, giving each other encouragement by our testimony, lifting up psalms and hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord. And can I tell you, there's no other place that we should ever want to be. But in many churches around this nation, there are 9.30, you've got to sing this song. At 9.35, you've got to sing this song. At 10 o'clock, you do this. At 10.05, you do this. And 10.20, and the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. And we're back home by 12, and we're still in the same hellish conditions than when we were when we left the house. Because we did not do what we are doing this morning, just enjoying the sweet fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit. So for the next five or six hours, I want to teach out of the word of God this morning. Since I got all of those amens. From 1 Thessalonians. I guess this is going to be a series. The last time I was here, I shared with you from 1 Thessalonians. By God's grace, I'm back again, and I want to share again, I believe, a word from the Lord out of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, a letter written mainly, according to biblical scholars, by the Apostle Paul. Now, he may have had some assistance, he may have had some help from others who were with him and his company as the Holy Spirit moved upon him to pen a letter to the believers in a Greek city known as Thessalonica. It's a busy, bustling, it was then and it still is today, a busy, bustling seaport city, a hub of, of burgeoning, growing economic diversity and and inclusion, it was a place and space was in Paul's day, Pastor Paul's day. It, it still remains today a very important city geographically and to the economy, economically. And Pastor Paul, a man by the name of Apostle Paul, a man who, by the way, would have lifted his hands, who would have stood with us, who perhaps tears would have flown down, fallen down his face this morning when we began singing about amazing grace because he is a man who, who has been, who was touched by the amazing grace of God. He, he was a murderer. So if there's anybody in here with a, with a criminal record, you need not be ashamed. God uses people and he can take them from the guttermost and lift them to the uttermost because of his amazing grace. 
the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, whose, whose words we are about to, to share in the reading of. He, he was a man who, who had a very sketchy past and background. But how many of you all know, because perhaps you've had a very sketchy and shaky background, that God can use anything. And, and our testimony ought to be, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. Pastor Paul has an encounter with God. The Lord totally changes his life. And the Lord uses him to pen over half of what we call the New Testament. And he writes a letter to a church that he happened to have founded on one of his missionary journeys. He stops in this bustling seaport city, Thessalonica, and um, he begins to preach and teach the gospel in one of the local synagogues. Uh, he gets thrown out of the synagogue because there is not, there's, there, there's, there's this disconnect between Jews and, and Christians on the fact that we believe and we know that Jesus Christ, uh, who is the same uh, as he was yesterday, he, he's the same today, he'll be the same tomorrow. We, we believe that he was what? Born and, and lifted up and raised up. He was crucified and he was resurrected, but, but the, the Jews don't believe that. And so after Paul began preaching and teaching this gospel, this good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this good news that says because of the grace and mercy of the Lord, you can have an, a life and live it to its fullest, an abundant life, and you can also live and live again He's dismissed from the local synagogue, but believers who, had, who believed, who heard that word, who heard that message, and who accepted that teaching into their hearts, they, they follow Paul and, and they form a church within the city of Thessalonica. Pastor Paul has to leave, continue his missionary journey, but he thinks often of the saints. And he writes letters to them. The first of which we have come to know as First Thessalonians. And in chapter one he, of this letter, he celebrates the faith of the Thessalonian believers. Much like you and I are, are, are grateful and thankful for the faith that we have this morning. Is there anybody who would say amen to that? That you're thankful and grateful for your faith this morning? So often, you, you were right, brother, we, we can get so distracted that we forget about just how good we have it because we have God. And I want to remind you, I want to come on the, on the tail end of his testimony and just remind you again that if you've got God, you've got everything you need and so much more. In chapters 2 and 3, the apostle is writing and he's reflecting on the last time he had visited with the believers in Thessalonica. Chapter 4, he places an emphasis on what it means to live to please the Lord. And then we arrive at chapter 5, which is where we will take off in just a moment. And in chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, um, he, he talks about what I have tagged as the title of today's teaching. He talks about recognition and recommendations. He talks about recognition 
and he gives some recommendations. I want to take a poll this morning. How many of you here in our physical in-house worship, to all of those who are worshiping online, we thank God for you this morning. But for those of you who are with us in-house this morning, how many of you are parents? Would you just raise your hand? All right. Taking a poll here. How many of you are children? Well, everybody's hand should come up. All of us are the children. If you're alive, you're somebody's child. <laughs> How many of you serve as a manager or a, a leader in some capacity on your job, your career field? How many teachers do we have? Teachers? All right, very good. And how many serve in leadership here at this wonderful church? Would you just raise your hand? You serve in a leadership role, leadership capacity. All right, look around. Look at your leaders. Leaders, keep your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Look around. These are your leaders. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Thank you. One of the things we know about leading and everybody that lifted their hands can should shout amen, leading is never easy. <laughs> Parenting is not easy. <laughs> Let me come stand next to you. Shout amen. <clears throat> Being somebody's child is not easy, is it? <laughs> Come on, this was young adults, this was your chance. <laughs> and not get a spanking. <laughs> Leaders must grapple not only with external or outside problems and issues and obstacles. Isn't that right, leaders? Isn't that right, teachers? Isn't that right, principals? Isn't that right, managers? You have to grapple with, you have to wrestle with, you have to deal with the external problems and issues and obstacles that are presented to you, but you're also grappling oftentimes as a leader with the responsibility of having to step over and skirt, even circumvent your own internal complications and dilemmas. Just because someone has the title of a leader doesn't mean that they don't have some inside issues that they're working through. Is that right, leaders? If you wear the tag or you have the responsibility of leading in any capacity, parenting, teaching, being a principal, being a manager, serving in the church, you understand that while you have to see to the needs of all of the other saints and all of those you serve, your students, those who are your employees under your charge, you have some internal challenges that you're working through and walking through and challenged with as well. What are some of those internal complications that leaders have to deal with? I'm glad you asked. Leaders have to deal with lack of confidence sometimes. Isn't that right? While it may look like every leader who is a leader has it all together, many leaders often suffer from a lack of self-confidence. Leaders have to, have to grapple with the thought of or the fear of failure. Anybody ever had to deal with that? The fear of failing? The thought of, of what if what I am in charge 
uh, 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 of leading? What if my children, what, what if my career, what if my job, what if my job duties and responsibilities, what if I fail to live up to them? Leaders have to wrestle with and deal with maintaining their authenticity in a world, in a culture that celebrates fake everything. Fake news, fake people. Uh-oh. Let me look up. Let me look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Fake hair, <laughs> fake nails. Fake profiles on social media, catfish, is that right? <laughs> and even those of us who lead, we have to wrestle with and grapple with maintaining our authentic and being our authentic God-anointed selves. Leaders have to wrestle with the challenging task of sidestepping self-promotion. We live in a world that encourages self, doesn't it? We take what? They call them what? Selfies. Where I've got to take the camera off of you and turn the camera on to who? Me. And even in the ministry, there, there, is this, there is this challenge. Don't be fooled. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't leave the church. But, but hear me, even in the church, leaders have to wrestle with making sure that they are the real deal and not just up here for show. Leaders, I would encourage you, don't do anything for self-promotion or for self-aggrandizement. Parents, I want to encourage you, be your authentic selves. Let your children know where you have failed. But then back that up with reminding them about how good God is and that because of the goodness of the Lord, that your failures did not cancel you. You're still alive and they don't have to make the same mistakes you make. We, we even as parents have to be real. The road traveled by leaders is not always a road that is an easy one. It is not a road relieved of its hard days and difficult nights. Those who live and labor and strive even to lead us in ministry do not always have the luxury of passing the buck, do we? of getting outside of our roles and responsibilities and, and sliding out of our respective assignments, even if it's only for a little while, to enjoy a season of protracted rest and recreation and quietude. No, nay, no, no, no. Even when they are supposed to be engaged in a moment of respite and respite, a moment of reflection and a moment of restoration, even leaders... Concerned leaders, called leaders, voted in and voted on leaders who are interested and involved leaders, they always have the need, no matter where they are, no matter what time of the day it is, they always have the needs and the problems and the necessities of the people on their minds and in their hearts. 
Oh, yes, you do, parents. How many of you can't sleep until you know that child has made it to school? How many of you are praying all throughout their school day that a Uvalde doesn't happen here in Licking County? Come on, parents. And how many of you are praying even uh, as they are getting off of the bus that somebody doesn't decide that because they don't have enough patience, they're going to sidewind the, the school bus and go past the stop sign and hit your child? We're praying all day and all night as leaders. You, you, you raised your hand. It's too late. You can't take it back. And because you are a leader, you, you understand what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Uh, according to the common culture, you can feel me. No days off. As my mother used to say, no rest for the, for the leader. Because oftentimes the leader is what? Weary. Thank God this morning for both his recorded and written word because in it we will find that there is something that you and I as followers of Jesus who are empowered by his spirit can do, must do in order to support leaders. In the first letter written to the believers gathered in Thessalonica, Pastor Paul writes the following words. Verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Every now and then I will uh, reference the translation of all the saved, the King James Version. I know that's the translation of all the saved. And I know many of you dwell content therein and in that translation only. But I'm going to start by reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Listen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, speaking to this church, church like this church, speaking to the body of believers, he's speaking to the saints. Here's what he says. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you. They lead you in the Lord there are some times when they have to admonish you. Before we ignore, before we write off, and before we disregard the commitment of those who serve in various capacities in which they serve, we would do well by ourselves, brothers and sisters. We would do well by our families. We would do well by our community. We would do well by our nation. We would do well by this world. And ultimately, we would do well by our church and bring honor to the Lord if we would take time to give recognition to those who serve and lead. We would do well to recognize, to think again, to think about to get to know again, to become familiar with again those who labor among us, especially those who do so in the Lord. 
It, it would do well if you would recognize and remember your mother and your father. The scriptures teach us plainly. What are we supposed to do? Honor, remember, celebrate, thank God for your father and your mother. Imperfect as they are, imperfect as they always will be, we are to do what? To remember, to recognize, to honor. It, it would do students well to remember, to recognize, to honor those who stand up day in and day out in front of classrooms and teach when they feel like it, and when they don't feel like it. It, it would do well for those of us who serve underneath someone in, sec, in, the, in the secular world to, to honor, to recognize, to remember, to celebrate when they're worthy of being celebrated. Your manager, your district manager, your vice president, your chief executive officer, your CFO. Remember those, according to the word now, recognize, honor, those who lead. Elementary ages, if, there's any, if there are any still in the building. Middle school students, maybe junior high. Let me give you a, a clue. You want that new Pokemon? Do they still play with Pokemon? Want that new toy? You would do well to honor those who lead you. <laughs> the writer, writing to the saints, writes to the saints as if they are a team. As if they are a team. As if they are a family. He writes, the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, he writes uh, um, as if everybody that is on this team makes up the church. And, and that this team, our team, our church, your teachers, your professors, your parents, they're, they're, they're like teams. They're, but, but every team has what? Anybody know anything about team sport? Every team has one or two or three or four team yeah. captains. And the responsibility of the team captains are to do what? They, they protect the team. They encourage the team. Aside from, away from the head coach, they, they are responsible to speak up and to speak out to the head coach on behalf of the rest of the team. Captains are looked to by the head coach for answers and for counsel. Before the head coach talks to the rest of the team, he calls who? The captains. And before he even makes some decisions, he will speak to who? The captains first. Just like on your job, your, your principal will talk to the teachers first before they talk to the students. Because the teachers are serving as what? Classroom captains. Just like uh, uh, parents, uh, before we ask you, and, and of course, there were very few times my parents asked, us as the children, anything. What, what would they do? They would get together as the two team what? The two family what? Captains and leaders, and then they made decisions. Paul is writing to the, to the saints, 
And he's saying, listen, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who serve as the captains among you, the leaders in the church among you. As it is for a team, so it is for our spiritual family, our spiritual team, the church of God, the physical and spiritual body of Jesus on the earth today. Uh, our physical captains, our, our, our spiritual leaders are those who, and the word is used, labor among us. What does that word mean? It, it means that, that there are men and women in our families, in our communities, in our schools, in our government um, in our church who have the responsibility of doing what? Of striving and working hard and being dedicated to engage in productive activity that blesses our life and honors God. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I love you Thessalonians. I love this Thessalonica church of God. What an amazing church of God. You all have a beautiful edifice. Your praise and worship team is phenomenal. Your choir, your, your, your worship service is amazing. Your structure is all in place. You've got millions of dollars in the bank. But, but I want to encourage you to recognize and honor those who you have, a, some, of you, some of them you have voted in, some of them you have elected in, some have just been called and anointed and set by God himself in place to lead the team. And it's important that in spite of all of the external accoutrements that you have, it's, it's key, it's needed, it's necessary. Here's a mandate. Recognize and honor those who God has put in place to help the church keep on keeping on. You, you can help your parents keep on keeping on by honoring them and recognizing them and thanking God for them, for all of their hard work, for all of their efforts, for all of their labor. You can encourage your teachers. You can encourage your staff if you are someone who employs other people by recognizing and honoring those who lead the team. God has ordained, listen, he's ordained leadership for our families and he's ordained leadership for our church family. God has ordained leadership in government. He's ordained leadership in terms of our employment. But he's also ordained, he's also set in place what that word means. He's also ordained leaders for this church. And where would we be without the great leaders who lead this church? All right, now you, you did that wrong. I tried to wink at you because that, that meant you're supposed to say amen. You're supposed to jump on your feet. You're supposed to thank God uh, with a shout of praise. Let's try it one more time. You should thank God for the leaders who are leading this church. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ. Yes, we are. We are all one in Christ. However, the Lord has given every family, every organization, every government, and every church family the gift 
of those who he has gifted and called to exercise specific gifts that help the church and that ultimately honor him. Now, there should exist in all relationships a healthy mutuality. Meaning, if a relationship is going to work, there has to be a, a, a spirit of, as I help you, you also do what? Should help me. If I am going to work for your well-being, then you should be willing to do what? Work for my well-being. And just as leaders, particularly those who lead us in the Lord, they serve, they are like shepherds who are tasked with being able to identify the sheep entrusted to them to watch over, to pray for, to cover, to visit, to, 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 to pray with. It is also the responsibility for those of us who serve as, who are shepherds in the Lord's, who are sheep in the Lord's church to be able to do what? Know and understand our leader's voices. Church, you and I have a responsibility this morning to get to know, to pray for, and acknowledge the spiritual authority of those who by faith, in faith, and with faith, plug away in their efforts to provide the much-needed care that our souls need. King James Version of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 12, reads this way, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The challenge for leaders, this is why we have to pray for our church this morning. The challenge for leaders is that they are not only with us, but the Lord has called them to be over us. Not to lord or, or rule harshly or to deal harshly with us, but they do have responsibility to lead us. The, the Lord, when, in the establishment of the New Testament church, did not create FBI, lone wolf, CIA, uh, rogue believers. You can't just do your own thing. The church is designed to be a body of believers collectively and congregations all over our world that come together to lift up the name of the Lord, but the Lord does everything in decency and in what? Order. And when a judge uh, needs to, they'll, they'll put that gavel down and say, what, what has to be in the court? Order. And that's a hard responsibility. Any parent uh, uh, is not a good parent if they let disorder just take over the home. Some of you all are clamoring now. You're looking at your watches because you got to go watch the game. But, but you're, what, you're, you're not going to enjoy that game if there are no referees in place to make sure that there is what? Order on the field. 
if there was no one there to, to, to establish order and to give credence and guidance and to lead and direct the players on the field, it's just a hodgepodge. It's just a mishmash of people just running around doing whatever they want. And you know what's wrong with our nation this morning? It's a nation that wants no what? Order. Moral relativism. I do what you, I want. You do what you want. You have your truth. I have my truth. And we don't want anybody to lead us or to guide us into that which is what? Best. Verse 12, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you. They lead you in the Lord. As difficult are the challenges that our leaders face, we should ask the Lord to open both our natural and our spiritual eyes to really see them. When was the last time you asked that question, Lord, what's going on with my leader, our leaders? When was the last time you asked that, students, what's happening with my teacher, with my principal, with our principals, with our faculty, with our staff? Uh, those of you who are employed by someone, when was the last time you earnestly, seriously sat down and asked the question of God, Lord, what's going on in the hearts and in the minds of those who lead this organization? And for those of you who are leaders, when was the last time you asked the same question, Lord, what's happening in the hearts of those who I lead with and serve with. As critical and crucial are the choices those who are dedicated to leading us have to make, we should ask the Lord to help us that we might really hear them and get to know them so that we can do our best to support them, not siding with one leader over the other, not praying for your favorite leader. All right. Not supporting the leader you like best, not supporting the leader who is your family member. The apostle, Pastor Paul, says, listen, I love your worship. You all have a great time in your worship service, but I'm getting word that um, there's some dissension in the ranks. And some of you are so holy. You don't watch TV. Uh, some of us have dresses down to the floor. Some of us men, some of us don't wear certain neckties or or colors, and, and we're all holy, and there's nothing wrong with holiness. Uh, without it, we won't see the Lord. But we have our favorite leader. And we will hold up, we, will, we think we will, we think we will hold up God's business um, because we're going to play favorites and side with the leaders in the church.
Forget about amazing grace. I want to put who I want to put in place in place. And the Apostle Paul, you, you all with me? A lot of you are reading it in the King James. Does it say do any of that? He says, I want you to recognize all the leaders. The word know, know them which labor among you, it is the Hebrew word yada. It, it is the Greek word genosko to become acquainted with. And he says in verse 13, I want you to regard them very highly. How? In what? In love because of their work. Paul is led to encourage the believers in the Thessalonican church and by extension he's He's reminding, he's admonishing, he's exhorting you and I this morning here at the Licking County Church of God to go one step further. Uh, not only should you recognize, not only should you acknowledge, not only should you genosco or get to know those who are laboring and leading among you in your, in your homes, not only should you honor your mother and father, not only should you honor your principals and your professors, not only should you, should you celebrate and honor and pray for and, and love and exhort and and encourage those who are your supervisors, who are your district managers, who are your managers, who are your, who are your CEOs. Not only is he saying you should support uh, your president, your, your governor, your, your elected officials and support them and pray for them. Um, all of them, not your favorites, not the ones you like the most, but, but all of them, not the ones who sing the best or not the ones who have the most money, not the biggest tithers, not the ones with the longest um, family lineage in the church, but all of them who serve in leadership. He takes it one step further. The Holy Spirit moves Pastor Paul to suggest that we have the responsibility of regarding them highly. So, so for many of us, we'll say, well, listen, I, I acknowledge the leaders in the church. I said hi this morning when I parked beside them in the parking lot. That's all I have to do. I didn't speak. I just gave my. <laughs> Paul says, listen, church, no matter how nice your building is, no matter how many millions you have in the bank, no matter how much property you own. Listen, church, he, he's encouraging the saints. He's encouraging the believers. No matter how great your worship service goes. Not only do I want you to acknowledge your parents, not only do I want you to recognize your, those who are in authority in government or on your jobs and your career fields, your career path, I want you to acknowledge and highly regard those who are in the church who lead and labor in the Lord, for the Lord, and who care for your souls. Regard them highly. 
In other words, I want you to consider every member of your leadership team as highly valuable. Leaders, how do you regard those who serve on your team? Come on, team captains, you raised your hand earlier. You're a leader in the church. How highly do you regard your brother or sister leader or captain or teammate or church family member? The scriptures say we, we, we should, Paul in essence is saying that, they, that you, you are to highly regard them. You are to treat them as if they are worthy. Listen, this is what the word valuable means, of the utmost respect. Not when everyone is looking, but especially when no one's around. When was the last time we authentically, genuinely, with no hidden agenda, with no ulterior motives, expressed our appreciation for our parents, for our teachers, not because it was Mother's Day, not because it was Father's Day. Every day is Mother's Day, right? Not because it's Valentine's Day coming up. Men. I'm trying to help you. You better start regarding and recognizing and highly esteeming Godly leaders deserve to be told that they are cherished. The ones you like, the ones that aren't your cup of tea, they deserve to be supported. I, you can't make this stuff up, can you? I had no idea that there was a vote coming up. I promise you that. <laughs> Did you tell me that? If I'm lying, I'm flying. <laughs> All of our leaders deserve to have someone lay their hands on them and pray. How many times have the leaders of this church, those that are your cup of tea and those that are not your cup of tea, how many times have they come over and laid hands on you and prayed for you? and thought about you and showed up at a children or child or a grandchild's ball game or VBS special. How many of the saints have sat through the fourth grade orchestra concert? Just look straight ahead. <laughs> Not their child, but because they are a leader in the Lord's church, they did it for you. When is pastor, typically in the church, pastor's appreciation is October. Leadership appreciation is going to be today. We've got to take time, parents, children. Uh, when was the last time you let them know that they're cherished? When was the last time you put your hands on them to pray for them, to anoint them, to cover them spiritually? Now, more than ever before, not only in the life of our church, 
but in the life of the church at large, the church of God universally, we should be recognizing and thanking and highly regarding our spiritual leaders. Because whether we like, it, like them or like it or not, God has used all of them in some capacity to minister to our lives. Verse 13. I want you to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Listen. Be at peace among yourselves. All right. Seatbelts on. Some of them, if you already have them on, tighten them up. Here we go. The writer to the Thessalonica Church of God informs the church that the end of many of their personal, private, and corporate struggles will be directly tied to how well they treat their spiritual leaders. He says, be at peace. Honor, regard highly, esteem, know, get to know, genosco, uh, get to know intimately. Anytime that word is used in the Old Testament, know in the scripture, it means that a man or a woman has had intimate relations. Adam knew Eve. You read throughout the New Old Testament, you'll read where one man would know his wife. He, he would have a time of intimacy. In the New Testament, it's genosco. It's agape love, but it's an intimacy on a spiritual level. And he says, listen, I'm encouraging you if you want to live free from commotion and disorder and strife and violence and war. Highly regard your leaders. You see what's happening in our homes? Children less and less do what? Regard or esteem their parents. What do we see happening in our homes more now than ever before? Violence on top of violence on top of violence. What's happening in our communities? Black communities, white communities, Hispanic communities, all communities are facing uh, a in, in pockets of them, in certain spaces and places of them, even in the, and not the ones that you think are, are the, the less well-off, but even in the more well-off communities, there's a lot of quiet violence. Why? Because children in, are getting further and further away from being held responsible to honor mom and dad. What's happening in government? What's happening to this nation? Less and less honor of who? Not our politicians, but my brother back here said it right. The less our nation does what? Honors who? The Lord. Because we're so distracted by all the other stuff. Red, blue, whatever. And the Apostle Paul he connects, there's a symbiotic relationship between peace 
and honoring leadership? What are some of the issues? What are some of the physical issues? What are some of the emotional issues? What are some of the fires that you are struggling to put out? Could they be because you dishonor, you disrespect, whether publicly or privately, the leaders of your spiritual church? Could the source of some of the anger issues and outbursts, men, turning inward and refusing to be emotionally vulnerable for your spouse, for your children, for your co-workers, could that be a direct result of your refusal to be at peace with the saints? Paul encourages you and I to make it our business not only to know, but to highly value. We must strive, here it is, to do everything we can to, uh, we, we must avoid everything that would tend to alienate our affection from our children, from our parents, from our employers, from our siblings, from our employees, and from the saints. We must strive to avoid everything that would disrupt that relationship. Church, as you all well know, I'm only here to remind you, you can have all of the right doctrine, but if there's no peace among us, we don't have anything. You can know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but if there is no peace, the enemy is, he, he is getting the glory. You can sing like, a, like an angel. Some of you may even be able to preach or teach like Pastor Paul, but if there's no peace among the saints, Now, I'm not encouraging it, but you can disfellowship, um, but you're going to take all of that anger, all of that rancor to another church and create disruption and create disunity, and that church will be what? At war, angry, diseased. Listen. We will stand or we will fall together. Somebody made a face at me over there. I'm going to come over here and say it. We will stand <laughs> or we will fall how? Together. The enemy's objective is not to pick off one or two of us. His, his job is to do what? Take out all of us. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe, Pastor Warren Wiersbe said. I'm going to quote him. Wherever you find division and dissension in a local church, 
It is usually because of selfishness and sin. On the part of leaders or the members, here's what it really is. Both. Remember Jesus' brother James, he asked this question in the fourth chapter, first verse of the book that bears his name. What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? We're singing and crying and warring all at the same time. Don't let them get near me. Don't touch me. I'm not voting for you. Oh, yes, Lord. I can't stand her. Look at what she's got on. They won't let me do this or do that. I can't stand them. Oh, yes. Verse 14. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. We have to be at peace, church, because we live in a world that is constantly at war. We have work to do. We don't have time for fighting and splitting and fussing and some of y'all silent cussing, because I know, I know. And, and, and being envious and jealous and not speaking to one another and, and, and trying to avoid each other like the plague. Listen, the, the, the apostle is saying, listen, church, I, I didn't start the church. I didn't, I didn't minister the gospel to you for you all to fall apart because you don't like your leadership. I, I, because, listen, there, there are people who are idle who need to be warned that they got to go to work. There, there are people who are, who are discouraged in the church and outside of the church, and, and they will never get the encouragement that, that they need if you and I are too busy beating and battering and, 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 and dissing and disuniting from one another. He's saying, listen, there are people who are weak in, in, in the church. There are people who are weak in Newark. There are people who are weak and if you all are going to just keep fighting and, 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 and being divided and, and, and undecided and, and, and get into all this fleshly, carnal uh, nonsense, they will always be discouraged. And by the way, sinners are watching and listening. Prayers are going unanswered because we're playing these games. People are still locked in addiction because you and I are playing church. 
People still don't know who they are or what they are because we keep, we keep fighting and fussing. So Paul spends chapter 5, the first part, imploring the saints to recognize, to get over it, cut the foolishness, then he spends the last half of chapter 5 giving giving some recommendations. Here's the first recommendation. Verse 16. Instead of fighting, instead of fussing, instead of, instead of playing favorites, instead of, instead of trying to play God, instead of trying to be the Holy Spirit, instead of enjoying the presence and the power of the Spirit, Instead of having and holding on to your favorite this person and your favorite that person and only supporting this leader, um, here's what I want you to do. Love all your leaders. And then let me give you a recommendation here. Rejoice always. Verse 16. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Verse 16. I need for you guys to go to work. I need for you to be at peace because there are people who are idle. There are people who are discouraged. There are people who are weak. You've got to be patient with each other. Don't want anybody, verse 15, repaying evil for evil. I didn't even go there. Verse 16, rejoice always. One of the things the enemy will get you to do is get off course, church, and we will forget to rejoice. Come on. The joy of the Lord, it does what for us? It gives us what? Strength. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow begins when you and I as a church um, support our leaders, stop fighting, be at peace. Um, when, we, when we start doing ministry, as we were called and anointed to do, and in doing what we are called and anointed to do, uh, we can rejoice. Yes. Yes. The victory, the shout this morning, the, we, we leave here with hope this morning because uh, we know that if we can get on one accord with one another, we can live in a place and space where we are always expressing our gladness, always basking in the delight of the Lord all day long. We can have that. We can do that. It's called rejoicing. In the good times, rejoice. In the bad times, rejoice. When you're happy, you can what? Rejoice. Even when you're sad and in mourning, you can still find a reason to do what? Be glad. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. I, I will rejoice. Notice, he didn't say, I will rejoice because my favorite politician's in office. He didn't say, I will rejoice because my favorite Satan is, in, is serving in some measure capacity of leadership. He doesn't say, I will rejoice because the vote went my way. He, he, he doesn't say, I will rejoice because I get everything I want. He just says, I will rejoice and be glad. Some of us have perfected the art of be mad. I want to encourage you to perfect the art of be glad. Be glad you're alive this morning. Anybody glad? Be glad you're clothed this morning. We all should be glad about that. Anybody glad that we're in our right minds this morning? We, we ought to take time to thank God and learn to rejoice through all of the circumstances, through all of the challenges. I will rejoice. Second thing he says, second recommendation, instead of you all fighting and fussing, instead of you all being distracted, from helping the feeble-minded, the sick, instead of, instead of playing favorites and, and repaying Sister Cantaloupe uh, for what she did to you five years ago, um, instead of trying to get her back five years later, um, instead of trying to, trying to attack Brother Watermelon in the meeting, um, why don't we do this? Why don't we learn to rejoice, and then why don't we, after we finish rejoicing, have a prayer meeting? Pray constantly. We spend more time playing than we do what? Praying. Oh, and by the way, it's spelled P-R-A-Y. Not pray on each other, P-R-E-Y. Because we, we, we have prayer meetings all week long, P-R-E-Y. We're praying on each other all week long. But the apostle says, listen, the pastor says, we ought to pray what? For each other. Come on, we, we got to get excited about prayer. Pray how often? Constantly. Many times, often throughout the day, on a regular basis. There's power in prayer. Can I get witnesses this morning who will say amen to that, that there is power, power. How many know there's wonder-working power? When we call on the name of not our favorite athlete. When we call on not our favorite actor or actress. But when we call on the name of the Lord, you can come off a of meth. You can come off of heroin. You can come off of pills. You, you don't have to pop oxycotin. You, you don't have to, to, to get Narcon treatments. You, you don't have to spend your days and your nights in the emergency rooms and in the psych wards all over the city and all over the state. You don't have to go to rehab if you learn to call on the name of the Lord. Call on me when you're weak. Call on me when you're tempted. Call on him when times get tough. Call on him when the money is low and the, and the bills are due. Call on me. Call on me when your back's against the wall. Call on the Lord when your marriage is falling apart. Call on the Lord when those grands or those great-grands seem to have gotten it wrong again and again and again. But how many know breakthrough happens when we call on the Lord? Instead of cutting on one another. 
Boy, if we would fight the devil like we fight each other, we'd be winning all the time. Think about it. If we would backbite about the devil like we backbite on each other, whoo. Boy, if we would get committed to canceling Satan like we do, like we cancel each other on social media, whoa. Give some recommendations. Final recommendations, chapter 5. He closes out this letter by saying, rejoice always, pray constantly. Verse 18, give thanks in what? All things. What will tear up your marriage? is when you become a victim of ingratitude. What will desecrate, what will destroy your relationship with your parents is if you become ungrateful. Ungratefulness is ungodliness. What will destroy your career is when you trash your supervisors and your district managers and your CEOs, when you entertain those kind of conversations with your coworkers, you, you are sealing your own fate. You are destroying any possibility of promotion or advancement, not from man, because we know that promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from the Lord. And my most controversial statement yet. Here it is. If you press this button twice, then hold this, it starts the car. <laughs> Let's put up a for sale sign. Turn out the lights. What's this piano worth? We can auction it. These drums worth. Board the place up. If we are not going to give thanks first to God and then for one another. Look around. This will be your last few Sundays. Walk the, walk the property. Cancel VBS. Cancel camp meeting. Ain't happening if we don't learn to give thanks. First to God and to God for one another. You okay with that? You okay with that?
You okay with that? You, you, some of us would rather, we would rather, we would rather win and lose our salvation than risk being wrong or not get our way and let God be glorified. Some of us would rather throw away all of the prayers of the saints from years gone by. because we don't like who's on the ballot. Some of us are okay with Satan strangling our children and grandchildren if it means that I get my way in this church. You okay with that? can't find churches, excuse my emotion, where the saints are allowed to testify. Don't find churches where people are anointed for and prayed for. You, you don't find churches that have property and beautiful chandeliers and all of these beautiful accoutrements that your mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, and some of you, that's the challenge. You don't know the history. So, so you'd rather throw it away so you can have your way? This is why Paul says, here's his last recommendation. He says in verse 17, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. When we engage, this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage the believers in Thessalonica. When we engage in sabotage, When we engage in spiritual treason, we're stifling the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has a personality be grieved, can be anger, can be upset, can be stifled. It's akin to
Just relax. Just relax. Come on up. <laughs> it is akin when we engage in all of our selfish, fleshly stuff. We are, man, your hair looks nice too. (laughs) This is what we're doing to the Spirit of God. When we treat each other like garbage and try to sing over top of that and pray over top of that, Spirit can't breathe. I better stop. I don't want a murder charge. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And that's what we ought to do. We better stop. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. Help people who are hurt. Don't stifle the spirit. But recognize Appreciate, value those who serve, all of those leaders who raise their hands. <clears throat>